Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Daniel Gracie. We're in Costa Rica. We just finished up a jiu-jitsu camp, a Pura Vida BJJ camp, and uh, it was it was really cool. It was a great camp. We're a little bit tired. We our jiu-jitsu schedule was was packed. We did three sessions a day most days, and uh, we you know the we did a lot of jujitsu. I I'm, I'm kind of tired. Are you how are you feeling, Daniel? After the camp? Oh yeah, I'm like Swasa. Are you kidding me? Uh, look, I have a I have a I had a, a jujitsu camp here myself in Costa Rica. Costa Rica is an amazing place. Uh, what I like about this camp that Warren had like a great idea is more focus on the jujitsu and the training than the extra activities. And we we had extra activities uh, as well, but. The focus was jiu-jitsu, so uh, it was very nice because I could see that by the end of the camp, the students that came were already using the positions that we taught, and uh, that was nice to see, you know, them putting together what we was teaching them, uh, you know, in the same camp, not even, like, waiting to go home to start to use it. It was it was very nice. Yeah, and we had a good mix of, of uh, learning techniques, drilling, and training, and uh, we had Daniel was was one of the two head instructors. We had Sean Williams and and Daniel as the head instructors, and then we had uh, some good Costa Rican black belts from Costa Rica, from kind of in the same family, from the same team. Uh, we had um, Fernando Moya and Juan Barantes, and also myself, kind of helping out and and you know teaching some small sections, but. Uh, uh, it was a great camp, and we had some extra act- – one of the fun extra activities, we went to a local uh, kind of a rodeo. Uh, Costa Rica – this part of Costa Rica has sort of a, a ranch cowboy culture uh, in Guanacaste here. And uh, so we went to Santa Cruz, which is the, the most famous city for that, and, and uh, that was – that that was a fun extra activity, something kind of unique, right? I, I I love it. Are you kidding me? We are the only known Costa Ricans walking on the street there, and uh, <laughs> we're like we went to see the 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 bull thing. I don't know how they call, but like kind of like fifty people getting to the into the bull range, and then uh, the bull they they release the bull, and the bull tried to <laughs> try to knock them out, you know. And uh, it was fun to see, man. Like, and they're totally drunk. That's the funniest part. There's some guys that cannot even walk, and they're there trying to run away from the bull. When the bull hit them, they kind of like <laughs> stumble 10 meters away and fall into the, their face on the floor. But it was nice. Nobody got hurt, and uh, it was nice to watch, you know, that tradition from the Costa Ricans. This is the difference. Like, uh, we always think about, like, extra tier, like surf camp, you know, let's go to the beach. Like, we went to a totally, totally different, like, you know, natural and uh, traditional place of the Costa Rica. So it was very nice to see that. And we got some good traditional food there also. We ate we ate some, uh, you know, like the Costa Rican tortillas with the chicharrones. And uh, we ate, um, yeah, so it was a cool experience. Uh, and we also went, one of our other extra activities, we did a little uh, walk to a, a waterfall and jumped off and swam in the, in the water. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we did pack in some extra activities. So that's why we're a little tired because we, we went hard for those five days. We had a, three jujitsu sessions, extra activities. We hit the beach in the afternoons and, and the evenings, and yeah, it was it was it was a good time. And and I I learned a lot. I learned a lot both from the perspective of, you know, techniques. I learned some new techniques. Uh, Sean showed me a lot of good positions. Uh, de- we we did some training, some live training, and. Uh, 
Uh, Daniel is almost always when I get to train with him, he made a, a major correction in how I was training. So uh, I, I think that was I think I, I got a lot jujitsu wise from the camp as well as having you know just having a blast all the time. So uh, so now that we're done with that, I wanted to talk to Daniel a little bit about something that he's really uniquely qualified to talk about and um, sort of how jujitsu developed, kind of going back to Brazil and how how his fam him and his family uh, when they specific part of the story I wanted Daniel to talk about is is when they moved to Baja Baja Beach and how that helped jiu-jitsu develop and uh, you know what the significance of that was uh, could you tell some of that story for us Daniel yeah oh, 100% uh, well most of the people don't know okay because again like that on that time jiu-jitsu was not uh, is not it was not out there for everyone but Carlos Gracie Jr., our teacher, uh, used to teach at the same academy as Carson Gracie, his brother. Okay, there was the academy that Halls Gracie used to teach. So after he passed away, the two brothers that took over the students in the training were uh, Carson and Carlos. So uh, it was a, a, the bump was that uh, it's kind of like it was t two different teams inside of the same uh, academy. And there was a big mat and there was a small mat. And uh, each day, a week, one would teach on the big mat and the other one would teach on the small mat. And then, you know, vice versa. Like there was a week that three times a week was Carlos on the big mat and Carson on the small mat. So we're, like, we're training as kids. I remember, you know, training as kids, but not very often. Me, Half Heim, my brother Husso. But uh, once we moved to Baja, we had to stop training because it was too far away. And my family always lived together with Hanzo's family. My mom always lived together with, with Hanzo's mom. And then when we moved to, to Baja, everybody moved together to Baja. And then we, we moved to this giant house. The house has like 10 bedrooms. And uh, Baja was nothing. Baja had like, it was mud streets, you know. You, was, you said it reminded you here near Portrero in Costa Rica, little dirt roads. Down totally. The if, if you guys have a chance to come to Costa Rica and you, you get a chance to, to, you know, go, if you had a chance to go to Baja on that time, it was the same thing. Like it was, there was no asphalt, you know, there was no development. It was just nature and the beach. I remember going to the beach, uh, we had to, to get a boat, like, like a, a rowing boat, like someone that has to cross a, a, a lake with us, and then we had to walk uh, towards kind of like a forest, and then we go to the beach, and that beach was amazing, like the the ocean and the sand on that time, it was just like uh, the best experience ever. But we didn't have the jiu-jitsu part because Baja, like people were just moving to Baja. When I when I had I, I was to Baja last time probably ten years ago, and it was very developed then. I mean, it was a city. On that time, on that time, there was nothing. There was nothing, and uh, like the bump was that we couldn't, we couldn't train jujitsu. But Hanzo, still, like he was still, you know, driving to Copacabana and training, you know, when he could. But he was once we moved to Baja and Baja started to develop. I remember Hanzo annoying Carlinhos to move to Baja and open a school in Baja. Because it was a new neighborhood, he couldn't have his own stuff, you know, he didn't need to share uh, the academy with Carson. 
And most of Carlinhos students, like a lot of them lived in Baja. A lot of them would move into Baja. Because that was like the cool area, right? That was the not, new area. Not only like... because of that, like uh, the, the Rio de Janeiro people, they, they have the natural uh, lifestyle. And you couldn't have a house in Leblon, Ipanema or Copacabana. But Baja, you could have a house for the same price that you have, like a small apartment. Yeah. You know, so people start to move to Baja fast. And that's when... Uh, finally, Carlinhos decided to move to Baja, and then he moved to Baja. And I remember that uh, the first place that he opened uh, the Jiu-Jitsu school that became Baja Gracie, Gracie Baja. Some people say Gracie Baja, some people say Baja Gracie, but it was a uh, it was a house. There was a house that they de de uh, demolished everything inside, like all the walls and everything. It was a house. Like if you look outside, it was a house, and then you get in, and the the mats were inside and that's what we call we call the house are you going to train the house today that'd be cool to see pictures of that yeah Somebody man i was like there's some that. pictures uh and most of the people most of the people don't know that uh the moshada brothers uh higan john jack johnny uh Hoger, and carlos soneca they are they are they are our cousins too you know yeah uh their mother is carlinho's mother's sister what is my grandmom's cousin? <laughs> yes, it's a mix. So they were teachers. They were, they uh, they used to teach uh, the kids. They used to teach a lot of classes. And I grew up uh, most most of the classes that I had. Of course, I had classes with all of them. But my main teacher was Hanzo and Higgin growing up. Huh. And uh, man, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. So when they moved to Baja, when Carlinhos moved to Baja, the first thing we did, we already. Uh, we were already the bosses of the kids in Baja, like me, Hai, and how <laughs> my brother Husu, like people were scared of us, you know, because we like, we're like regular kids, but you know, we like to fight and <laughs> we walk on the street, like doing all kinds of like crazy stuff, like, you know, throwing rocks and this kind of stuff. So when they moved, when Carlinhos moved to Baja, the first thing we did was we had a meeting with all our friends and uh, we said, guys, look, our school now is moving to Baja. And if you don't train jiu-jitsu with us, you're not part of our gang. You know, you're not part of our group. And yeah. then uh, that's when like, all our friends start to train. How, how old were you about at that time? Oh, man, maybe I would say 12. 12. 12, yeah. Like, and just so the people that, you know, maybe if you're not uh, really up, up on the history of everything and how it came to the United States... Like, that's that's the the huge that's what developed. Carlinhos is is the uh, head of Gracie Baja, who runs the IBJJF. He runs the uh, affili all the affiliations of, of Gracie Baja. Uh, the Machado brothers, John Jock Machado, big school, lots of affiliations, great teachers. Uh, Henzo, I mean, most people know about him. The New York school, all of his affiliates. So, from from that, that's why I thought this this story is really cool because from that. That house that Daniel's talking about, really, that was one of the major places or the major place that were that kind of developed jujitsu before it spread to the world. So uh, that that's why I think this story is important and it's cool. Yeah, hundred percent. There was the look. There was uh, I remember growing up, uh, going to watch uh, Hanzo, Higgin, Johnny, all our teachers competing, and there was like. Uh, this it was the the Rio de Janeiro uh, tournament. It was always on the. It, it was some some kind of like military uh, stadium. We would go inside of the army base. Uh, 
I, rem- I don't remember right if it was in Wuchka. It was, it was a place that was far. And we would go like, the tournament would start like 10 o'clock in the morning. And it was like 10 o'clock at night and you're still there. And they're still fighting because we always want to watch the finals. And always, our guys were always on the final. So we would wait like to nighttime. I remember as a kid, like going and watching Hanzo competing, you know, all those guys. Some of the guys are big names today, you know, like legends. They call them legends. But it was, you know, it was fun to be part of this history. And uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that I think that uh, Gracie Baja was so successful on the competition world was because we, the same people that grew up together uh, as friends, you know, like just day, day base, we were growing up together as jiu-jitsu uh, friends also. So we used to train in the same gym, in the same roof, you know, and then get out of there and they hang out together again. So it was very unite. And uh, what I think that that made, that made for sure uh, our champions, you know, to be so unite and to be fighting not just for a team, but, you know, for a friendship, for a bond of people together. Because, uh, like, there was, there was a little intense on that time, you know, like we, our, our competitors, like our, our, the people that we, we compete against, we were actually like enemies. We couldn't go to their neighborhoods and they couldn't come to our neighborhoods. Like it was war. And then when we get to the, to the tournaments, they're there and you couldn't fight. So the competition, like when you face someone that you know, is, was from another neighborhood and another team, it's like war, but with rules and, you know, and not, you know, we couldn't hurt each other. So the competition wise was like very strong. And that's that. That's a great lead into the next thing I wanted to talk about with Daniel. Kind of, you know, coming more to how jujitsu is now in the United States. Uh, that that idea of uh, you know having a, a, a strong team that you're very very intensely loyal to. I mean, that's an extreme example. I think Daniel said it about and which it's hard for me to even relate to that. Where you know you can't go into the neighborhood of another jujitsu school. Uh, to, to me, coming from the, the culture of the United States, that sounds very extreme, right? And, and uh, it, it's, it's hard for me to relate to. But I think that um, it's, there's an attitude now in jiu-jitsu where they almost disparage having a strong team affiliation, right? It's like you have these guys say, oh, it's just politics. It's just, oh, everybody should train with everybody and like things like that. And I, I disagree with, with, I think that's gone too far, right? The other in the other direction from you know they say in Brazil there was the you know almost almost a gang like we had our gang and they had their gang and then we competed and you know but which is you know like I said it's extreme but going too far the other way like just no there's no reason to have a team there's no reason to have a, a loyalty I'd like to hear what what Daniel thinks about like what do you think about that development now what do you think about has and and has that has that hurt jujitsu or helped jujitsu that that it's it's gotten so far away from that what you just talked about the, the it, you know that you guys had in Baja? Well, like I said, for me the reason that we were so su- successful as a team was because we have that you know that thing going on of like having a team and you know be loyal to the team and be loyal to our friendships also because this is for us it was not just about jujitsu was about. Uh, like a kind of like a, a a family and let's say you have a family and then you have a business here you have a use whatever you sell bread okay 
And then you're gonna see one member of your family going there to the other <laughs> bread maker and uh, buying bread from other people. You know, like they don't. I think that this is not supporting your team if you think that you can, you know, jump around and train everywhere. Reality is the only way you're gonna fix your gaps and whatever you you're doing wrong. It's with your team because you have, you're training with them every day, and they're gonna see what you're doing wrong, and then you're gonna you're gonna fix it. So I what I think is that uh, when jujitsu start to get developed in America, uh, the mentality of sport went too high on the jiu-jitsu community. And what, what, from, from what I understand, jiu-jitsu is not just about the sport. Jiu-jitsu is about martial art. We have you know, loyalty to our team and we have, like I said, we, we, we treat our, our team as family. And uh, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that you have you can train everywhere. I don't agree that if you're gonna do a seminar, you're gonna pull a, a, a athlete from from other team to come and do the seminar because we have enough. And I'm sure that everybody everybody has enough champions and good guys on their team to support. Why am I gonna support someone from other team if I can support my friends that can come and do a seminar in my school? If I can support my friends, you know, go there, visit their school to train. Why am I going to go to someone that I never met in my life? Why am I going to go to someone that is not part of my, my team to support him, give my time, give my students time to them? I, I, that I disagree. I, I, I really, I, I don't enjoy that. You know, a lot of people enjoy that. I don't enjoy that. I think it's wrong. And I think you're never going to develop a game and you're never going to develop uh, a strong base if you don't have you know, loyalty to your team. That's what I think. That's an interesting point, I think, because you, you just said you, don't do, you won't develop a game. And, and what, what, can you, what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate on that? Because I think that's a really key point. I think that a lot, of, especially now with the internet and how much technique, I mean, I mean I'll say even I, I look at technique from a, a bunch of a, many sources and it's almost, it's almost seductive because you're like, oh, I want to learn this and I want to learn this. But you, you get scattered, right? I, I remember when I was when I was wrestling and I'd, I'd watch a lot of video f footage and film, but it was very hard to come by. So I, I'd watch like I watched uh, Bella Glassoff series until the tape wore out, and 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 like until the actual video cassette wore out because, but that was all I had. You know, I didn't have I couldn't go on YouTube and watch another one and another one. I just studied that one game for a long time for for a couple years and 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 uh, I. I think that there's value in that. I think now there's so much technique out there. There's so much scattering of, you know, that you can't, like Daniel said, you can't develop a game. Is that, is that what you meant by that? Is that kind of some of the part of what you meant by that? Part of that, yes. That's what I meant. But but uh, every school that you see uh, today is going to have a game that is going to be recognized for. You know, like we, we had our game, they have their game, and then we're putting strategies together to see which one has the best techniques. Uh, and this is the way it worked, okay? So when Jiu-Jitsu got globalized and with, with uh, the social media, internet, that everybody can go and see whatever technique uh, they can watch, uh, they didn't understand one point. Everyone has a different body type, different limitations, different flexibility, different everything, okay? So I wish I could use every position I learned along the years. I can. I can only use the positions that my body uh, allowed me to, to use it. So going on YouTube and watching videos, it's okay. Like you're gonna knowledge, you know, like you, you're gonna go there and you're gonna learn. 
But if you can use that position and you start to try that position and it's not a position good for your game, you're just wasting your time and you're going to create bad habits. Okay? So that being said, when you have a team, okay, and you train every day with the same person, uh, that person is going to start to catch what you're doing. And they're going to block and they're going to find a strategy to beat you up. And then now you have to block and find a strategy. So you guys are working and developing jiu-jitsu with each other without knowing. Because you're having fun. Because you, you, uh, you are catching what you know, either one has good. And creating a strategy to block and attack that. So imagine if I go and I start to train someone and I, I do an arm bar with that guy on that guy every day, okay? And then at one point he's like, man, now I know what you're doing. I'm going to block. So he blocks. And now I start to get frustrated because my arm bar doesn't work anymore. And then now, well, this school is not good for me anymore because my arm bar is not working on these people anymore. So... They blame the school, they blame the technique, they blame the teacher, and then they go to another school. Instead of developing deeper knowledge about exactly, that, about exactly. their game. Exactly, exactly. I understand. That's, it's that's a hours off mats. That's what is going to make you tough. That's what is going to make you good. And, and deep, deep knowledge, diving deep exactly, into that. Exactly, exactly. Into your game, like what you said, your game. And, I always, like, and I, always post, uh, it's, I always post on Facebook and Instagram, there's nothing better than doing that developing your game, developing your jiu-jitsu, training among friends. Because you're having fun. And having fun makes your knowledge, like you become a sponge like for technique because you're having fun. If you stress as you're training, you don't learn. And that's exactly what happened with people like that. They want to always win. They, they don't understand that uh, jiu-jitsu is there to make you humble. So if you're not humble enough to be learning, from your partners, but be learning from mistakes that you do in training. Every time something goes wrong, you change teams. You're not going to develop a game and you're not going to learn. And then you're going to be, okay, uh, that guy's a good fighter, but tell me how good he is. That he won a world tournament, that he's like really a big name. No, they're going to have that, you know, so so jiu jitsu and they're not going to recognize by, by the game. And so, what I, what I think is that. Uh, when jiu-jitsu globalized, that it's over. You don't see that anymore. You don't see people loyal to the team. You don't see people, uh, you know, making the effort of helping the team. Like if something's go is wrong, you don't go to another team talking, you know, talking shit about the team that you're training. You go to your teacher and say, "Man, look, I I think we should do this. I think we should train more like half guard. You know, we're missing half guard." But no, what they do is they change teams, they go to another school, and they say, man, their half-guard game suck. That's why I came over here, you know? And then he's going to jump to another school talking shit about the same one that he went to. Yeah. You know? So this, this is the problem. Like, we are... I love that Jiu-Jitsu became a sport, okay? But I hate that the martial art aspect, the loyalty, and you know, the friendship is kind of like uh, fading away. Yeah. I, I think what some just to go back to another thing that that just what you just said that made an impression on me is about that the part about having fun when you're training, and I think that that to, to be able to train in, in something as intense as jujitsu where you're putting your body uh, there's there's some risk it's a combative sport to be able to do that and relax enough to have fun you have to have some trust 
with your teachers and your training partners. If you're constantly jumping to this place or that place, you never have time to build that trust. So it's more of like you're competing all the time. You never have fun and you can never develop, you know, like, like when I, if I train with Daniel and he beats me up, it's like, okay, I mean, I don't like it, but it's not, it, I don't care. It's just like, I know, you know, he's, he's going to beat me up. But if I go to another school and, you know, somebody I don't, I don't know well, then it's like, I feel like it's a fight and it's not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn from that as much. I'm just going to be like, I don't want this. I'm not going to let this guy lose. I'm just going to do whatever I can to like try to fight and like, and I'm going to have a, I'm not, I'm probably just going to be upset and not learn anything from it if I get beat. Right. So it's, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly what it is. Like if you, if you're training with a friend and you tap, you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't like it, but you know, it's my friend. Like you feel comfortable with that because yeah. you know that. You're gonna have, you know, another time to train with him. Ultimately, he's on my side. You, you're you know? learning, yeah. you know. You're learning. It's exactly that. You're learning, and uh, again, th that's why I think people that are not humble, what they do is they leave the team and then they blame. They put the blame that what they lost a competition or you know an, an MMA fight or uh, you know whatever. They 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 don't blame themselves for what happened. They blame the teacher. They blame the team, and then they just move to to uh to another school and then they're going to do the same thing on the other school like at one point people are going to people are going to see you know what's happening and they're going to know like yeah you know fuck that guy the guy's a loser you know that's that's what happened but now well but i like it what i like is that uh in jiu-jitsu before it was just uh uh whatever you you knew was very effective you know you could use your abilities to win tournaments even if you're not training, but today you can't anymore because it mixed a little bit with the sports side, especially wrestling uh, in US, like very hard training. And before, jiu-jitsu guys were just like, their training was surf. They'll go to surf, you know, and train jiu-jitsu, that's it. There was no working out. And then uh, it started to get into a point that you need that extra strength, you need that extra wins, you need, and then this, this part I like, that it became a sport and people need to be in shape to do it. You know, otherwise they're not going to be able to survive in competitions. Yeah. And I, th I think that part is a, is a good, you know, it encourages people to stay in shape, makes the level more elite in some ways. Um, but another thing that you touched on there was the, the example about buying bread from the other bread maker. Uh, jiu-jitsu is also a business, right? It's all, but it's always been like, that's not unique to the United States. I mean, you guys were, that was how, you know, Henzo made a living and Carlinhos. And so it was always a business, but I think what makes jujitsu so tri So what makes this subject of, of like team loyalty and stuff, uh, a little bit confused is it's, I think it's a business. I have a jujitsu business. Daniel does. Daniel makes a living from jujitsu. Uh, and, and, I think your teachers did also, right, in Brazil and in the U.S., but, but it's more than that, too. It's not a business like, um, you know, like I'm selling, uh, you know, selling widgets or I'm selling T-shirts or I'm, you know, I'm in the oil and gas business or whatever. It's, it's different. There's something else to it, too, uh, and that's the martial arts aspect. Does that, does that, do you see what, does that make sense to you? Kind of like what I'm saying is two things in no, one. It, you no, know? it totally makes sense. It, I, we can call jiu-jitsu a business because this, if it's something that you're living off, of course it's a business, okay? But what happened was uh, we made enough money to pay for, you know, rent, buy food, and support your family. That's it. Okay, jiu-jitsu was never a business that would make you rich. 
uh, unless you had like <laughs> 20 private students on that time. So it was fun. It was something that it's a, it was a lifestyle that we, we, you know, inviting people to come into. And then we would make money with that. Today is totally the opposite. Today, huh. Interesting. people are seeing jiu-jitsu as only a business. And then they're forgetting about uh, the tradition of martial arts, the tradition of loyalty to the team. Like the lifestyle. The lifestyle. They're not selling jiu-jitsu as a lifestyle. They pretend they are. Yeah. They use that as marketing, but they're not. Yeah. And this is what I'm against. That's why I, sometimes I, put, I post things on, on Instagram and on social media talking about that. Because there's a big difference in, uh, you know, living off of jiu-jitsu and selling jiu-jitsu. We, we don't sell jiu-jitsu. Like, you can, you can tell, look at Hanzo. All Hanzo's schools are his black belts or whatever, black belts or for black belts. He, if you call Hanzo today and say, oh, Hanzo, I want to be affiliated with you. He's going to say, who are you? You know? Yeah. And this is not happening. You're going to see that there's people there opening affiliations with people that they never met on their lives. Like a business, like, okay, I'm going to send you a form, you fill it up, you put your credit card, and then you can be affiliated to me. Man, you don't know what the guy does. He can be yeah. a rapist. He can be any, any bad person in the world. And then you're giving him your name that you work for just because of money. This, I, I don't agree. This, I'm, like, I'm totally disgusted with that. Now, making your, uh, your school big and making money, you know, like uh, whatever rules you have to do to make your school successful. But, but... Keeping the jiu-jitsu philosophy and lifestyle alive, then I agree. Then I want to do that. I, I want to do that. Of course, uh, you know, uh, if you're making money, keeping that, up, uh, it's the perfect way to make money. But not forgetting about our, you know, our roots and uh, what jiu-jitsu is. Because uh, I'm sure that Carlos Gracie right now, he's happy with where jiu-jitsu went to. I'm talking about Carlos Gracie, sir. But I'm thinking he's not liking uh, of the business aspect that, you know, it is there right now. So what I, what I think is that at one point, we're, we're turning a full circle on jiu-jitsu. And now I'm seeing more and more, like, people there, you know, didn't supposed to be teaching jiu-jitsu. Uh, kind of like getting, you know, hiding and, uh, you know, because of social media. And uh, that's, that's what it is. You know, on my country, on the, in Brazil, before, it was like the losers that try to leave off jiu-jitsu and they have no condition, you know, to, to leave off of jiu-jitsu. People make fun of them and then they just give up doing jiu-jitsu. Now, yeah, jiu-jitsu is there for everyone. Jiu-jitsu is there for all kinds of people, okay, to make, to make them better. But don't pretend to be something that you're not, okay? That you, you can... You can pretend to be a champion if you're not a champion. Now, you want to leave off that. You want to help, like, learn how to teach and build champions. This way you can brag about it. But don't brag about you being a champion and not competing and not, you know, doing anything for the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, but then leaving off of, uh, of jiu-jitsu and selling jiu-jitsu as a business. This, I don't like it. Yeah, and, and I think that... Uh you know, Daniel definitely epitomizes that, the lifestyle. That's always been the hardest thing for me. Uh, I think it's not easy to make a great jiu-jitsu business, but, like, they, there's, there's guys that, you know, they have, oh, I have a million-dollar school. To me, that's, that's, I mean, it's not that hard, right? I, I don't think. I, I think, you know, it, it's not easy, but it's, it's, it's not that impressive to me. 
What's impressive is like uh, Henzo, if you have a school that that is a great business, but also also keeps that the lifestyle, still keeps the 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 champions and that when I when I decided that. I wanted to start teaching jiu-jitsu. I didn't know if I did it first because I, I, I was thinking, like, can I really do that? I wasn't sure if you could do both, you know? And I think you need, I do think you need to do both, too. I, I see, like, kind of going the other way. I see guys that, like, they're struggling. They can barely make a living, and they have, like, you know, 20 students or something. And I, I think that's kind of wrong in a way, too. I don't think that builds a stable environment for, like, your, your students, you know? So I, I, that's... I think striking that balance is the hardest thing, but that's what you need to do. I think that's that, and and you know Daniel epitomizes that, and and that's why I'm that's why I'm glad you know he talked about the affiliations. That's why I'm glad that our school you know stop training, Team Henzo Gracie, is is part of that team because, you know like it's not just something where you can fill out an application. You know it's it's something like they support us. Uh, the story about Daniel real quick. Uh, I. Uh, when it was a few years ago, I had my son was born here in Costa Rica uh, because uh, his his mom is from here and she wanted to have have my son here in her home country, and I had to leave for three weeks. Daniel said, Daniel said, oh, I, I can help you. I'll come and teach at your school. Now, now, who, where, how else is that? Who else is going to do that? You know, like mm-hmm. talk about the family. Like, you know, do you think these guys that just fill out these applications and they're they're the associations that come and do seminars once a year? Do you think they're gonna they're gonna say, oh yeah, you're, you you need to you need to go out for three weeks? I'm gonna go teach at your school. Is yeah, that gonna so happen? That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm gonna interrupt you for, for okay. a second. But then that's what that's what I'm talking about. These people think that like, let's say you have to to come to Costa Rica for three weeks, okay? But then you're gonna call someone from another team to come and teach for you, <laughs> you know, it makes no yeah. sense, you know, yeah. and that's what they think is right. And man, I totally disagree. You know, like with, uh, it's, it's a family, it's a lifestyle. I, and I say more for me, jujitsu is a religion, religion. And it's not, it's not just, uh, something that you can sell. And, uh, well, unfortunately we, you're going to see that like, with, of course I'm old school. That's why I think like that. But this bullshit of like, oh yeah, you have to, you know, you have to do whatever. There's rules that you have to do to keep your student. And, uh, you know, like, okay, this is nice and all, you know, to, to have those rules to, so your business <laughs> can be successful. But in the end, you are fucking there to learn jujitsu. If the person treats you good, you know, do whatever to keep you in the school but doesn't know how to teach you jiu-jitsu, why are you there? You know, why are you gonna be training jiu-jitsu with someone that doesn't know jiu-jitsu? Just because they treat you good? Just because they say your name? Just because they send you a letter when you're not showing up to the school? Come on, man, you know? The main, the main reason you get into jiu-jitsu school is to learn jiu-jitsu. If your teacher can't teach you, can't teach you jiu-jitsu, that's the time to move. Not when he's not, you know, uh, Whatever reason you he find, he wasn't nice to you one day or something. Yeah, like come that. on, you know, like <laughs> didn't didn't uh, didn't talk to you long enough one day or something like come that. On, yeah. like, I I give this example on the uh, on the camp, like when I I said that on the camp. You know what? It's funny when everyone now social media. You use social media to watch jujitsu videos, you know, to watch fights, to on social media. You go on YouTube and you watch everything, okay? But then when you're gonna go into a jujitsu school, you don't research your teacher. It makes no sense. When you're going to buy a car, okay, you research the car, the mileage, 
the security and whatever you, you want to see on that car. And then you go buy the car because you research everything, even the reviews on the car. But then you're going to train jiu-jitsu. It's something that is going to be, you're going to be using your body, okay, to do that. Oh, but you don't research. And then you're learning jiu-jitsu for someone that is not even uh, a white belt level, but you didn't research that guy. So reality is you need to research. If your teacher has no history of uh, tournaments, of building champions, of a team that has background, okay, then forget it. And it's not that oh yeah no my my oh my 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 uh, my teacher belongs to this team. There is a big team. Like I said, there is a lot of big teams selling memberships. There is a lot of big teams selling affiliations. Okay. Research your teacher, not his team. There is a lot of bad teachers there that belong to good teams. That, that's a good point. And I, I think we're going to wrap up with that. If, if Daniel, like in all your experience, what would you say somebody new coming in that, want, that thinks they want to try jujitsu and wants to get started? Can you give some specific things to look for? in the teacher, in the environment, whatever it is, because it's easy to, it, it's, they've gotten very sophisticated, I think, and, and, and it's easy to fake, especially for new people that don't know. Like, I know right away, I can look on somebody's website, and I think I can tell, you know, I know most of the people in jiu-jitsu teach them, but if I don't, I can look on their website and say, this guy's, this guy's not, not a, a good teacher, you know, in 10 minutes of, of research. But I think new people, it's, it's harder. Right? What specific advice, what points would you give somebody that's coming into jiu-jitsu new uh, to look for to find a great school? Well, first thing, research a teacher. That's the, that's the first thing, okay? If, if this guy come, came from a, from a team, okay, that is a big team, but he, you don't see him uh, having uh, history with that team, forget it. He's there for the business. Meaning, he was he's not. Meaning, he was a he was a karate teacher, and then uh, karate start to go low, and then he decided that jujitsu is the new thing, and then he started to teach jujitsu, and then he called someone and said, "Can I be affiliated with you?" And they give him the affiliation because of the money. That's it. Now, if you research a teacher and you see him since blue belt training with the same team or with the other team that had a good background, okay? And he has a history in jiu-jitsu, not like, I'm gonna repeat again, not as a competitor, I'm talking about as uh, uh, just regular uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner, okay? If he's been training jiu-jitsu his whole life and then he get to the black belt in another team, no problem, but you know that that guy developed jiu-jitsu because he's been training jiu-jitsu his whole life. Now, if you see this guy, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but then you research him and, well, where did he learn jiu-jitsu from? You have no idea. You know why? Because sometimes he came as a white belt, but he put a purple belt and he called this team and said, oh, can I use your name? And they're like, oh, who are you? Oh, my, my name is Joe Blow. Oh, which belt are you? I'm a purple belt. Oh, okay, yes. I'm going to send you the application. You fill it up and then you are one of my affiliations. That, that is bad. So again, research your teacher before you start to train with them. Because, I'm sorry, this is not fitness, this is not working out. If you wanna, if you wanna work out, you wanna do fitness, you wanna sweat, you know, get a membership in any gym for $10, 
you're not going to learn anything. You're going to sweat and, uh, you know, go home happy with your sweaty clothes. Now, you want to get into jiu-jitsu to get in shape and to understand the jiu-jitsu lifestyle, research your teacher. Nice. So that's good advice. And uh, um, thank, thanks so much, Daniel, for taking time to talk with us. I, I, it was some great points that kind of clar- even clarify. And we talk all the time, and, and we've talked about some of these subjects before, but that even clarified a few things, you know, that I, for me. Uh, hope, you, hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, where, Daniel, where can, uh, if somebody wants to come and train with you, uh, you know, whether, you know, they're on it, let's say they're in the Henzo Association or they, they want to, they want to be, they want to get involved in jujitsu. They want to start jujitsu. Uh, where, where, where are you teaching right now? Well, right now I'm, I'm teaching at Henzo School in Brooklyn, Henzo Gracie, Brooklyn. They call Henzo Gracie Fight Academy. Uh, but, uh, I'm teaching there full time now. And I still have my school in Philly, you know, like my Philadelphia school is building champions. And uh, when I'm not there, I have Sideco Honorio, that is, you know, a great black belt that I have there teaching uh, most of the classes. I go to Philly once a week. I go to Philly every Wednesday and I teach all the classes, including the MMA classes. And uh, they always, again, Philadelphia is one hour and a half from New York. My students are always, always coming to New York. I have students going there all the time. Uh, that's the good thing about Hanzo's affiliations also because you can train, you know, we are in most of the cities in the U.S. now. So whatever you are, uh, you can go, you know, and... You know you're going to get good training. You, go, you know you're going to get good training. You know you're going to get, you know, you're going to get treat, treated well. And uh, that's one of the things that I love it. So my, my address on, in Philadelphia, it's 20, 21, uh, 20, 2221 North American Street uh, in Philadelphia. So any, anyone from Hanzo Gracie team is invited. Anyone from other teams are invited to try our classes. If you like it, you sign up and stay, or you can go back to your, to your <laughs> school. And again, the Brooklyn school, I don't know the address of the Brooklyn school, but if you research Hanzo Gracie Brooklyn or Hanzo Gracie Fight Academy uh, in Brooklyn, you're going to find it's the biggest uh, school you're gonna find in the northeast area, like a hundred percent. As far as area, like area, the mat, yeah. Mat the mat, size, the mat, mat size. size. There is no mat size bigger than ours uh, in the New York area. Impossible. I think. I think in the world, in the like world, maybe. we yeah. have, it's it's like a whole gymnasium uh, full of mats. So uh, we have a good group in there. The school is there for a while already, and we're having fun. Like guys, are, guys are enjoying to train there. Like I said, it's a it's a lifestyle, and people there understand that. I think everybody, every Hanzo Gracie affiliation has the same style because they're all Hanzo students. They all came from Hanzo Gracie team. Um, and that's, uh, I, I feel the same way. And I, I invite anybody to come to, if you're passing through Pittsburgh, if you want to come to Pittsburgh and train, uh, same thing. Love to have other people from Henzo associations. And uh, we um, invite anybody else to try, try, uh, see if you like training with us and, and hopefully you do and you stick around. Um, that's, we're out of time today with Daniel, but uh, uh, there were some other subjects I wanted to touch on with Daniel, so hopefully we can do a part two. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about him that we'll, we'll touch on, you know, maybe in another, Daniel will probably come out and do a seminar in Pittsburgh, so make sure you, make sure you get to that. Uh, we'll, we'll have one scheduled here soon uh, in 2017. He usually comes out once or twice for seminars and sometimes more. 
but we're going to have one scheduled here soon. So uh, make sure you get into that. Uh, and that's open. Like, again, it's open to, to our team. And if you want to try it, check it out. But um, come to come to Daniel's seminar and you'll learn some great stuff. You'll get uh, you'll get better at jujitsu in that day. And, and I think seminars are great for team building. Also, the, the technique uh, gets kind of the whole team sees the same technique, right? So you help each other. Stay, it stays with you more than just individual, like, for example, watching instructional video, which which can help. I mean, I'm not anti-instructional video. I'm just saying as a seminar, if you do it as a group, that's one of the values of it. It infuses that technique into the team because everybody's seeing the same thing. So uh, look forward to that. We'll try to do another podcast also. And one of the things I want to touch on uh, is some of the divergence between gi jiu-jitsu, no gi jiu-jitsu, uh, mixed martial arts. Daniel coaches uh, a lot of top fighters, a lot of UFC fighters, produced a lot of great jiu-jitsu competitors over the years too. So I think he's really qualified to talk about that and where that development's going. So uh, part two of this podcast sometime this year, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully talk about that uh, and touch on that and some other great subjects. So thanks a lot for uh, uh, taking time today, Daniel. Well, that, that subject's going to be a little polemic because I'm going to uh, I'm gonna talk about how how we start this no gi stuff. Uh, I'm gonna say right now. Of course, there's great no gi uh, fighters today, but it started because people noticed there was a lot uh, more difficult to get submitted without the gi. <laughs> Reality, and yeah. that happened oh, in yeah. Brazil too. I'm not gonna say any names, uh, name any any you know fight style in Brazil, but in Brazil there was a couple guys that started to do that. It became our enemies in Brazil. You know, they took the gi off and said that no gi is the best thing ever. Yes, because if you put the gi, my friend, you're gonna tap. So, talking about humble, humble guys, that's uh, that's how no gi gets so popular. But again, there's great fighters in no gi. I'm not gonna talk shit about <laughs> no gi fighters, okay? But uh, definitely. Looking forward for the next one. Yeah, look forward to that. Well, it'll be a little bit of controversy and some some good points that hopefully you can take with you. Hopefully you got out a, a lot out of this today. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.